You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast. The trade deadline has passed. Some would say an era has passed. And finally, for all intents and purposes, this rather forgettable season may have recently passed. This is Caro. How are you tonight, Vardy? Hey, man. Good, 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 good. Ready to, uh, ready to catch up on all things that have happened. Um, mostly bad. I would say mostly yeah. negative, sad, um, blue-colored things, although some positives, and we're going to kind of jump into it. But I think out of the gate, we're going to start with some bad, and the bad is that there were some games canceled mm-hmm. for the Kings and their opponents, the Avalanche, which I think is a good thing in general. I know we we're talking about how bad it is, but I'm glad they kind of got in front of it. Um, and did cancel these games, especially in light of what was happening with the Vancouver Canucks and all this other nonsense. Yeah. And, and to look at it more positively, Vardy, I was actually excited that the team got to practice. I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes we forget that these guys practice few and far in between. And when you're a young team like the Kings, it's pretty important to get reminded of the details of the game. So overall, yes, it sucks that games were canceled, but Looking at the bright side, I'm glad the team got to practice. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good way of looking at it, and I think um, the team and the coaching staff seem to seem to agree with that sentiment, at least in some of the comments. Um, and God knows they needed it, right? Like they were on a terrible streak of games, just really sloppy hockey things that things that really have been a bit of a regression. You know, we had we've talked a couple times in the past about how they've been really good at having bounce back games and this, that, and the other. And I just really feel like the, the detail has been slipping from the game quite a bit the last little while. I don't even remember what the last game was that we covered. It's been a bit, but um, I have to look back now, but that, that Vegas game was the last one that I remember. And it just, you know, it's Vegas. They're a good team. You're always liable to lose against them, but it just felt like they were very listless, very, uh, unengaged if you will a lot of just weak attempts at passes not a lot of dig in the game and Vegas was more than happy to capitalize you know uh just breakaways lots of odd man rushes lots of breakaways I think that Stone I forget if Stone's goal was shorthanded but I know that he scored on a breakaway and that was shortly after Peterson had stopped another breakaway just before then I mean, just not good. And I think we've we both narrowed it down that the absence of Matt Roy <laughs> is apparently the linchpin of this team now. Because anytime he is out, it is not good hockey out there. <laughs> and obviously, it's not strictly because he's out. We were very aware of that. Sure, it's also time, the presence of McDermott. It's yes, when you it's add the two together. That's right. It's, it makes it's a, a shitty sandwich. Is deadly. <laughs> That's right. That's what what the thing is. Uh, But no, Matt Roy, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm very surprised at how important he is to this team. Straight up. Like, you know, good player, obviously, kind of a steady player. You hope part of your top four, maybe your number four defenseman, if all things go well, if all things are right. Uh, But the two times that the the Kings have been impacted by streaks, either Mm -hmm. the streaks of bad play, 
or streaks of good play. It's it's been almost simultaneous with him entering or leaving the lineup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the sample size is growing for Matt Roy. Yeah, and sim and similarly, the sample size for McDermott continues to grow. In... Which I'm sorry, man. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to talk. We're gonna have to talk about this for a while because obviously, if you follow us on Twitter, you've seen that we have not been too gentle with young Curtis over the last couple seasons. I don't even. I remember one time Vardy on this on this podcast, he said Curtis McDermott has played his last NHL game. And I'm pretty sure that, that was, was 2018. That was that was 2018, and that was that was wishful thinking. It seems clearly, but because I knew then what I know now. <laughs> exactly, and my comment was going to be that I don't need sample size. Look, he's a good guy. I'm sure he looks like a lovable oaf type. I don't know, big dude. Everyone loves him. I'm sure he's mm-hmm. heart and soul and all this stuff. But man. He cannot handle a forecheck. Whenever he's under pressure, he treats the puck like a grenade. He just wants to get rid of it. And I understand, man. It's it's you're playing as world world class players, and maybe you're in over your head a little bit. But my frustration, I think, lies with Todd McClellan's insistence on playing him on the second pair over and over and over again. I think that's where my anger comes in. Um, but. <clears throat> I hope we get to the point very soon where, and I say this with respect, he's an NHL player. I'm not trying to bash anyone. I could say it for a few other guys, but I hope we get to the point where we don't need him in the lineup anymore. That'll be a success. Yeah. I I think that's, that's how I meant it from my comment back then as well is because I felt like we had enough guys um, coming in at that point where we wouldn't have to play McDermott as it were. And it's been, you know, there's been times where I understand there's been lots of guys hurt, even more recently having Bjornfoot and Roy out. I, I get that your options are a little bit limited, but the proof is in the pudding. I, I think the the win-loss record, it's like without him in the lineup, they're 10, 3, and 3. With him in the lineup, it was some atrocious number like 6 and 14 or 6 and 15 or something ridiculous like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was bad. Just take my word for it. It was bad. And I, I just, I look at that and I go, you can't tell me there's not a better option. It's not like you're going out there every game and watching and going, man, we, I, I wish we had someone who could play as steady as him so that we don't lose anything. There's nothing there. There's nothing there to lose. Like that's the, my problem with it. I don't understand. And, and you can go on about like right-handed, left-handed positional, whatever it is. It doesn't matter to Truly, it doesn't matter. Like you could put him in the most optimal position. The fact is that he is not a regular NHL defenseman. And that's okay. That is that is perfectly fine if he's an AHL defenseman, but you can't keep throwing this guy into that situation. Keep letting him get burned. Keep letting the losses accumulate. Um, I mean, he's out there for, you know, 12, 13 minutes a night and he's consistently a minus two, minus three. Like it's... It's got a wear on the rest of the team, doesn't it? I mean, if you're if you're a guy on the bench, and as much as you love him, and we've we've all been in this situation. Hell, I've probably been that player on on some teams where they look <laughs> at him and they go, "Oh God, please don't let him go out on the ice." I get it. <laughs> you know, you you don't want to feel like a liability for the team, and you know when you're a liability. 
you can think as positively as you want. You could show up there and, and try to root yourself on, but you know, when you're getting burned, you know, when you're getting scored on and that is not a good feeling that doesn't make for better hockey play from an individual. I think. Probably not. I mean, my frustration with him, again, it's, it's a lot of it was with the coach, but just his, I think a lot of the Kings problems and we, we're going to talk about it this episode, next episode, we talked about it in the previous ones is offense. A lot of it is defense. And I, to me, the breakout is like both, right? It starts in your own end and it starts your offense. Um, you work to get the puck, you gain control. Now you're going to have to break it out. I don't think I've seen a worse breakout player in terms of putting the puck on someone's tape 10 feet away in a long time than Curtis McDermott. And again, I'm sure he's a good guy, but I, I think Kopitar probably three or four times I've wanted to turn around and just throw a stick at him like a javelin and be like, dude, I'm like 10 feet away from you. And you're throwing it in the one area where it's like between my stick and my skates. So all you're doing is like foot cuffing me <laughs> with your passes. I, I get it. I get that there's this um, nostalgia, if you will, for the rough and tumble, you know, old school hockey guy, <laughs> you know, but it, it's, it, we're past that. We're well past that era. I also get that there's a concern about uh, size on the defense. Sure. But to me, that, that only means so much, you know, that's, that's great. If you're worried about like net front scrums and he's going to, he's going to be able to body someone and keep him out, but that doesn't happen either. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not able to like really body anyone because he can't, he doesn't skate well enough. He doesn't position himself well enough to like actually keep body position and lock up sticks up front. So, I mean, again, it's not, it's, it's not purely his fault. He's not the only person on the, on a roster of, you know, 21 guys, but it's pretty, it's pretty awful when I see him out there. And I, I tweeted this on on that last game i said i just i have three expectations of this game win or lose and number one was no crazy lineup decisions or and you know crazy line combos and that got completely blown out of the water number two was no mcdermott that was completely blown out of the water and then number three was a good game from gabe velarde which by virtue of number one <laughs> being ruined obviously number three didn't happen either and I also understand that there's a need for just overall sandpaper, quote unquote, in the lineup. And McDermott certainly brings that. But, you know, you mentioned like boxing out and stuff. And I think this is a Kings issue, a Kings defense issue. So I'm not just going to harp on him. But that type of player with like cement feet, essentially, the offensive zone isn't what it used to be. You're, you're talking mm -hmm. about guys running. We call them running picks, right? Like. Mm -hmm. skating in the Sedins used to do this. The Sedins used to master this and just embarrass everybody where Daniel will be going one way. Henrik will be going the other way. They, and they crisscross and there's a drop pass. And before you know it, one of them's open in the slot, mm -hmm. you know, and now everyone does that, right? Not as well as they did, but you got to be able to move because there's picks all over the place. There's high, low switches. D's coming down forwards coming up. Like you, if you're not, <laughs> If you can't skate, you're in trouble. So, you know, boxing out and all that stuff is great, but it is now even less important than it used to be. Right. Um, it's even less part of the game than it used to be. Are there going to be, like, rebounds that you need to clear out? Sure, but you got to skate with these forwards, man. They're going 
like a winger is going all the way up to the blue line. The defenseman switching now going all the way behind the net. Like you got to be able to keep track of that. And that requires speed and hockey IQ. And yeah. And that. he's slightly lacking in both. Okay. That's enough of the, that's enough of the Curtis McDermott. Yes. He's going to, he's here for the rest fest. of the season. I think that's, I've accepted that. Yeah. I will deal with that. Um, that's fine. Yeah. And, and truth, truthfully, you know, I, I've been as guilty as anyone this entire season of kind of blaming the defensive portion of the defense. You mentioned it's, it's not just defense, it's the breakouts and stuff like that. But just the other day, I was kind of trying to take a step back and look at the numbers across the league and, and kind of see where the Kings rank in terms of, in terms of goals against. And they have 127 goals against, which is honestly not that bad. It's, it's kind of middle of the pack you know, in the, in the NHL, certainly middle of the pack in terms of their division, though other teams at this point have played more games than then due to cancellations and stuff. But the, the real thing that sticks out like a sore thumb is their goals for, again, every, every year, I feel like over the last yeah. three, four years, it, the, the problem has been that they actually prevent enough goals, despite Jonathan Quick not having a great season. Again, that Golden Knights game keeps coming up, but it's Bad goals, bad, bad goals. Um, some unlucky, but some bad. Um, but I, you know, we've talked about that enough. We've talked about how the defense is just a bunch of rotating cast of young guys, and we're really not sure how capable they are. But if you look at it, the numbers are actually not terrible. But where they are bad is the number of goals they're scoring or not scoring, for that matter. That's where I think we're losing a lot of games. Yeah, uh, I think for a very long stretch and I haven't checked in a bit, but the Kings were dead last in expected goals for percentage. I'm pretty sure for a long time, uh, it was not good. And I'm mm-hmm. sure they had very, they were very low in high danger chances for percentage as well. It's to me, it's not a system thing. I think this is a personnel thing. I think we've, we've talked about this a little bit too, is like who on this team can, can score. If you give it, if you give them the puck in a good spot, who on this team can you look at and be like, I'll give him a 50 50 shot, he's going to bury it? Mm-hmm. There just aren't many, man. There just really aren't many. Even Kopitar was not a natural goal scorer per se. Dustin Brown is, you know, is he a goal scorer? He's, he's also this kind not of great area. Sense. Not yeah, in that sense that this, you're describing. Right. Um, Jeff Carter, who was, We'll get it. To, we'll get into that. Was for a long time, but he's on you know the back nine of his career, and he was pretty snake bit. I mean, right? He was. Getting I felt chances, like the season yeah. he was. You know, he he led the team actually in shots, I believe, before he got traded. But his shooting percentage was well below career yeah. average for him. Yeah, you know, he'll he'll probably fix that in Pittsburgh. And <laughs> That'll get to, rectify. Get to, get to the average there. So I think that's the big issue. I think. The more skill the Kings get into the lineup, I think I know it's a very like elementary way to think about it, but I think the more the more they'll score because the team's faster in general. I think they're playing quicker. Is just you don't have finishers. You don't yeah. have guys who are not only finishers but have the hockey IQ to create. I think right. we lack creative players. You know, outside of the top line, who can you look at and be like? Other than, you know, Velarde for stretches, mm-hmm. I can't really think of anyone else that's truly a creative player. Even 
that line that was humming with Anderson Dolan, Grunstrom, and Moore, it wasn't like they were being overly creative. They were just really working hard and had mm-hmm. good chemistry and getting chances. Hell, like most of Anderson Dolan's goals are just weird, just a weird like a chip shot yeah. from the corner and or throwing it at the net and it just goes in. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that's I think that's I think that's a little bit of you know who they drafted up until this point as well. I think there was a lot of focus on good attitude, hardworking kind of guys. Um, I know. And I get it. But that's that's the problem now. We're overwhelmed with these good attitude, hardworking guys. And I think the talent guys are, are coming. I hope they are. But, you know, you, we've talked about this as well. But, like, aside from maybe Byfield and Kaliev, I don't know if there's any true blue chip nasty talented guys in in our prospect pool i think it's still a bunch of good working you know good hard-working guys even guys like kupari who was leading the ahl and scoring at one point like he doesn't i've never heard anyone say like he's ridiculously skilled you know yeah alex turcott i've yeah. seen him make some skill plays but that's not really that's not really his his forte it's always been like good two-way solid hockey like that. yeah i think you're hoping that the turcots the keel thomases like these type of players just have more upside in terms of skill and that it'll come out but that's terrible right like that's not i don't know if it's terrible it just it's not ideal it's I not guess. ideal yeah i guess yeah that's fair yeah like i guess sammy fagamo is supposed to be pretty you know, talented as a, as a yeah. shooter. Yeah. You know, I just haven't seen enough of them to, for, for me to be like, Oh, Alex Turcott is not a skilled player. I don't, I'm not completely sure. I know yeah. you are, of course you're right that he's a two-way player and that's why they drafted him. And like, that's the kind of, you know, prototypical top six center now is like, you got to be able to, to play the whole length of the ice, you know, especially in the middle wingers, I think can get away with being a little, you know, trigger happy and just kind of more one dimensional. But I think if you're drafting a center now, you, you, you have to be able to play the whole, yeah. you know, all three zones. That's just, it is yeah, what it is. I, so I know, I know. I guess what I'm saying is like, when I think of those guys, I think like they're, yeah, you don't think skill. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I think yeah. the top end potential is 50, 60 points a season. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't see a, another 70, 80, 90 point kind of guy. Well, shit. Except Byfield. Yeah, <laughs> I know. And you can say that, but my point is that, you know, you look at Colorado, they got four guys like that. Yeah. <laughs> you look at Vegas, they got, they got four guys like that, you know, yeah. but, but they, you know, Vegas is, is a weird, it's very hard to deconstruct Vegas and be like, this is this team. They're just very odd, but Colorado, man, you take out McKinnon. I've said this like, they go from great to good, I think. Mm-hmm. They really do. That's how important he is. So the one player like that is enough for you to cover a lot of ground in terms of how skilled you are. So yeah. hopefully, maybe you're right. we talked about this last episode, is, is that you felt, and we both felt, that the only player that we have that could even reach that is, is Byfield. So that's, mm-hmm. hey, it's a start. Right? Yep. It's a start. So if you look at, the last core that you know we drafted and developed and Stanley Cups, who was like that? 
you know, Drew, I think Drew Doughty was like the only true blue chip, like can't miss mm-hmm. out of the draft guy we had. Kopi became that real fast, mm-hmm. right? like, almost like a week after we drafted yeah. him, where everyone's like, "Oh shit, <laughs> like, this, guy, this guy's amazing." <laughs> <laughs> I made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. Many teams. <laughs> made, That's right. Montreal mistake, in particular. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, they, they had Carey Price. They, Carey, they would argue that they did okay. Um, I think Ottawa, whoever Ottawa took, was like, <laughs> you haven't even heard of this guy, right? Um, anyway, so yeah, let's give it time. Let's let's see what happens. I'm I'm, I'm cool with Quinn. I think we need a defenseman. Mm-hmm. I think everyone can kind of agree with that, and we'll get into the offseason a little bit. But let let's let's talk about one positive thing here, and that was the contract extension of the all but traded <laughs> Alex Iafalo. What a roller coaster ride, buddy! Huh? All these insiders, God, <laughs> they, they throw us for a loop. One day we're thinking uh... we're saying goodbye. We're tweeting that he scored his last goal, his last interview. And then before you know it, he's like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, it keeps surfing. <laughs> Blake's like, we never traded. We want to trade. I don't know what you guys mean. That was great. Anyway, yeah. four by I, four. I, I think it was, I think it was super funny, by the way, because you and I talked about just before the trade deadline, you know, in the last episode, we talked about who do we think would be traded and neither one of us gave his name. I think we both stupidly blanked on the idea that he was actually a UFA to be and that would yeah. you know otherwise automatically make him the most likely person. Right. But you in in your crystal ball throughout you went, ah, I guess you know you could always consider Carter and quit the usual <laughs> prospects. And wouldn't you know it, buddy? Who needs an insider? I got you. You know it's funny right after we recorded that I was like, God, what a terrible answer. Jeff I Carter. Know. I, I was like, who would take that contract? He's not even a free agent. Like, I was like, stupid. <laughs> you didn't even think I mean, it I, I threw up like Lazat, so I can't point fingers. I mean, it's still, I, you know, I'm, yes, I am an insider now is basically what. Yeah, there you go. So listen to us. I mean, eat crow per 60 ticks up once again. Actually, and it drops in this case. It dropped a little bit because you had it right. That's right. Um. But about the IFL contract, I think you and I had spoken multiple times about this uh, on episodes, on guest appearances and stuff about just how important we actually think this guy is to this team. He's he's made himself important. You know, we tried multiple different people on that top line. And honestly, since Justin Williams, he's probably been the most successful person on that line with Kopitar. And, you know, he's got some... He's got some Williams-esque qualities to him. I think Williams is probably a has a better hockey IQ, better passer. I think I think Justin Williams is a very very underrated playmaking winger. Personally, yeah. I think like if Alex Iafalo was a little better at everything, he would mm-hmm. be Justin. He Williams. would be Justin Williams, except skating. I think he's a better and skater. hair. He's got good hair. He's got good hair. He's got yeah. the Team Wolf thing going on. But I think, yeah. I do think he's a better skater at at the very least. Like equal because justin williams man he was he looked oh, ugly yeah. when he was, was like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah 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 there's i remember plenty of justin williams yard sales in the corner <laughs> you know um but I, I i think it works it works and he's been productive every season he's been better every season he's 
you know, he's on the score sheet. He's very rarely making mistakes. I can't remember, honestly, I can't remember the last time where I've been like, Iofalo messed that up or Iofalo had a bad game, you know? And then when you look at that, and there was, there was this huge discussion about like, how much is he really worth? How much could he have gotten on the open market and whatnot? And I did a little bit of a dive on the numbers, you know, for a guy like him, his age group, um, his point totals, his trajectory and everything. There were several names that were making five million, five and a half at some point, like Nito Niederreiter, uh, uh, Silverberg kept coming up as one of the names. I mean, these are the comparables. I really think that if you were to go on the open market and people kept throwing up Tyler Toffoli, but Toffoli, I mean, come on, man. He, he took a huge discount. He took less money than he was making on his prior contract to go play at Montreal, you know? And that's coming so, off a good run with Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, again, I don't know how that contract got negotiated, but I remember thinking from the second it got signed in the off season, they had gotten themselves a steal for that number. And now with Ayafalo signed for a four by four, I think that's a steal for the Kings. I really do. This takes you right up until he's age 31 and more importantly, it gets you through this period of time at a very, very reasonable number where you're expecting your byfield Cali of that level of player to come in. And so just as their first, you know, their first term is expiring, Alex Iafalo is going to have one or two years left on his deal, actually one year left on his deal, making him a very tradable asset if you need him to be. Or do you just let him walk if you if you don't have the cap space to keep him? I think it's a it, I think it's a tremendous deal. I really do. In an ideal world, he would be a second line winger, but right now, he's our first line left wing, and I don't I don't know who else could replace him right now. I don't think there's anyone in the pipeline or on the current roster that slots better in that in that position. I don't either. I mean, you would probably have to throw Kempe up there for the remainder of the season and just kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. Middle around there. Yeah, like if he was traded, I think yeah, yeah. Kempi or or Athanasiu would be the would be yeah, the next Athanasiu option. Be, right, that's a good one too. Um, I was surprised. I was surprised from a player perspective because I remember thinking to myself, like he's twenty seven. He's kind of maximized, I think, what he could do in the time he had with the Kings. He played with Kopitar. He put up decent numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, at twenty seven. If you're going to sign long-term, which I thought he would, you have really one shot in your prime years to get that big number. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was going to go, he was going to test the market at the very least. I thought he's testing the market um, and the Kings are going to trade him. That was, as we got to the deadline, that was my thought. But I guess at 31, you could still test the market if mm-hmm. you know, for, for a good year. So I think the length works out for him a little bit as well if you know i think six years you're like uh you know for him yeah that's probably a lower end contract because people are going to view you as like at the end of your career but i think 31 is still a pretty sweet spot yeah i think that's that's how justin williams was actually when when he left the kings wasn't it was maybe a 31 32 something around that time right and he got that nice nice deal yeah he had a contract but i mean yeah, so he had some awards to kind of show for it. <laughs> um, I was going to make a point, but it, I lost it at the moment. It'll come back to me. Don't worry. Sure. Overall, it's good, man. It's good for the Kings. We talk about this a lot, and we other people talk about it too, and it's true. Like, there has to be a bridge between the two cores. Mm-hmm. The core that exists 
the core that won you Stanley Cups and the core that's coming, there has to be bridges there that are Alex Aya follows, Adrian Kempe, these players that are in that age group that have to be NHL contributors because one, you can't have a team full of kids. Mm-hmm. Two, you can't have a team full of kids and guys who are just on their way out either. You got yeah. to have some kind of middle ground. And for that reason, for multiple other reasons, I think it's, it's, it's good. It's for the best for him to stay at a reasonable number four more years. That line doesn't have to be broken up. If that line in three years has to be your third line, great. Yeah. That means you're doing something right. It won't because Kopitar is still going to be. <laughs> yeah. 60 best, points a game. Yeah, I mean, 60 of, points a season. One of the best players, one of the best centers in the world. So yeah, maybe the point is moot, but. No, I, I, but I, I 100% agree with you. I think, you know, Kempe's at a reasonable number. I follows at a reasonable number. I'm, I feel fairly confident that Athanasiu is going to get re-signed at a very similar deal to that. I and hope so, is... man. His agent's a prickly bastard. <laughs> He's had look, look at look at his contract history. It's always been there's always been some kind of issue yeah. with him. So hopefully. Maybe, man. Maybe. But I think I, I get the sense that he's happy here. And I get the sense that the Kings are obviously happy with him because otherwise they would have again tried to trade him or whatever. But he is an RFA. They have his rights. And so, you know, they they lucked out into getting that guy. He's he's a honest to God top six forward in most, most teams in most this league. Most teams, yeah, I was going to yeah. say. I agree. Yeah, and they got him for nothing. They got him for absolutely nothing. And if you, you know, you can actually get him working as your second-line winger, you got you got the makings of something good there. But, again, he's not – he he does a fair enough job creating on his own, but I, I think if you could just get him – if you can get Velarde going, man, I think that would – yeah, that would make things so much easier for this team. It's crazy. It's crazy how much easier it would make things. Maybe Byfield's the guy. Maybe, man. Maybe. And maybe Velarde goes to the right wing. Maybe or different team. Oh, hey, we will explore. <laughs> oh yes, we will explore. Speaking of going to different teams, Jeff. Jeffrey. I'm gonna miss Jeff. I really, I'm really gonna miss this guy, man. I'm trying to think of like. Is there has there been a more impactful trade outside of like getting Wayne Gretzky? I'm and and I'm gonna rank it like this: getting Gretzky mm-hmm. obviously will always be number one. I don't give a shit who says what. The impact it had on the Kings and the United States, and we could talk mm-hmm. about that for hours. That's mm-hmm. gonna be number one. It's hard to <laughs> it's hard to say that like the Carter one is there the Gabrick one is there too obviously but the carter one was like a big shift in yeah you could argue the richards the one, richards one yes yes because that probably that, you that, can't talk about the, one without the other exactly exactly so, yeah but i think i mean you can even go a little bit farther back and say like allison and palfi those were huge trades but they didn't lead to the level of success that right that jeff carter led to you know right. I mean, I don't think anyone would argue that if you don't have Jeff Carter, you don't win two cups with this team. Right. There's just right, right. no way. And um, I'm not. We're not. I'm not going to try to go back to like Rogi and. No, no, no. no. And modern, modern era, modern Staples era. Center and beyond. If you want to talk silver but, and um, black and on. Yeah, but um, I think when you, I think the Carter trade ends up ranking above the Richards trade because of the longevity. You know, I think Richards. 
he was fantastic for the for the first two seasons he was here and then just the drop off in his play for whatever reason injuries or what have you but i felt like carter was always a threat always capable even when he was declining i felt like any point in time he could be that guy and i don't know if you're going to have too many guys like him that despite being very productive despite you know being year in year out 25 goal scorers i think he had a stretch of like six straight seasons where he scored 25 goals maybe had 24 in one shortened season something like that that's exactly accurate yeah and yet completely under the radar that's it's so true man i think it's because he's always been behind a true number one center Mm. i think i really do and the one time he went somewhere where they had pegged him to be the number one center. Yeah, he didn't it, do well. He didn't do well. It didn't work out. He didn't like it, whatever. So in Philly, he's behind Richards. In LA, right. he's behind Kopitar. And that's right. He excelled. Like yeah. he excelled like straight away. So I don't know if well, well, certainly I don't think if he was a number one center, he wouldn't be good or anything stupid like that. But yeah, he certainly, if he was a number one center and put up similar numbers, he certainly would be talked about in a way different like he almost has 400 goals. It's crazy, isn't it? Like no one didn't like, he have no like an eighty or ninety point season in Philly? He had a forty six. Yeah, he had forty six goals in Philly. Just and yet, just no one really talks about him. No, he, he was twenty four years old when he did that. Yeah, forty six, thirty eight, eighty four. That was his stat line. It's nuts. Eighty four points. That is I mean, pretty nuts. Twelve game winners. Yeah. Lord. Just one of the one of the best releases in the league oh yeah i think i have no qualm one of the best shooters off the rush in the league i think probably i can't think of anyone else who shoots off the rush as well as he does like straight off the rush yeah i've seen Ovi Ovi do it a little he does it a little but like we know where Ovi butters his bread yeah trying to think who's just like in motion and can just beat you like that so convincingly mcdavid McDavid, he never needs to shoot from the outside. I Carter know, I, can shoot from yeah, like yeah. inside the circle. That's true. That's true. On a yeah, McDavid is shoot. McDavid's looking to get close as possible and embarrass you. Like Carter will shoot from the top of the circle, yeah. so you know he'll beat yeah. you. You know, right? Yeah, he I just don't has that. Just so a anyway, very, yeah. very, very unique player that happened to be exactly what this team needed. And was it ten seasons he was with us, or close to, or nine seasons? Right, eleven, twelve was when he came in. Nine yeah. seasons total. Yeah, and again, just under the radar, but and came in with baggage. Man, came in him and Richards both just came in with so much baggage. And I feel like at no point did I hear a single negative thing about Jeff Carter. I feel like I heard nothing about Jeff Carter. <laughs> you know, he was just there and just popping twenty five goals a season and putting up solid playoff numbers and carrying us through playoff series and scoring clutch goals and hat tricks and things like that. Just a great, great player who I sincerely hope gets another cup. It's going to be tough, but I hope he gets another cup. He he's going to be to me in the same category as Bernie Nichols for the Kings. Like Mm. this, this guy who's not ever going to be, mentioned with like the top top like 
I shouldn't say never going to be mentioned because I think Nichols and Gretzky get mentioned a lot because of that 70 goal season he had. But I think like if if you're going to break it down with whose jersey number is retired and who's going to be always remembered as like the face of the Kings, like he's never, he's going to be one below that tier. Mm-hmm. Is Carter, just like Bernie Nichols, is always Legends Night, but not retired number. Like Legends Night, but it, you're like, mm, maybe his number should be up there. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I, I think that's the way I look at him. Um, he's more than he's more than a Legends Night, but he's less than like retired the jersey. It's the, that weird circle place. of honor. Yeah, is that weird place that only him and Bernie Nichols reside in? <laughs> maybe Kelly Rudy belongs there too. Actually, Ziggy, I think I'd put Ziggy in there. Palfi, maybe, yeah. That's but good I, company. But I think that Butch Goring is another good one. There you go. That probably That's a good goes one. In there he's, That's a good one. He's one below, but I think he's probably better than a legend. Anyway, um, what a player. We're so fortunate to have had nine seasons of this guy. Um, you, you talked about the playoffs, man. He terrorized the Blackhawks in that 2014 series. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a thing of beauty to watch him and uh, Toffoli and Pearson go to work in that series. Um, my favorite memory, and I tweeted this, and I'm going to say it again, without a doubt, is his game two overtime winner in the Stanley Cup final, 2012, where he came down the right wing. He tried to make a pass in front to Richards or Penner. I can't remember who it was. It was blocked off. He, he picked it up on Brodeur's left side. He swung around the net swung high around the circle, almost the top of the slot. And he, he shot it from his, he's a right-handed shot. He shot yeah. it to Brodeur's right mm-hmm. going against the grain. Yeah. So pure, man. It's such a pure goal scorer instinct to, first of all, he was moving so fast and to shoot it against the grain. It went untouched, like nothing but net. And again, just the presence of mind, right? Like you have to have so much confidence in your shot to be like, I'm going to go all the way around. I'm going to get to the top of the circle. But I feel like I, I, I got a good feeling about it and just sling it back, you know, because he could have kept going. He could have kept going and tried to cycle again or find another pass like he originally intended to. But he was like, no, here's good. Yeah, I remember that. And I think it was 20, 2012, the hat trick against Phoenix in yes. the in the playoff series, because you know, Phoenix had the whole whiteout theme kind of right. going that year, and you could have heard a pin drop because <laughs> he just, oh man, just single handedly killed the hopes and dreams. And similarly, you know, the one that you mentioned that led the Kings to come back home, two and zero. I mean, I, I said like that's the first time I allowed myself to be. Like, that's right to believe that, like that we're gonna oh shit like we're gonna it's yep. gonna happen because you take two on the road. And you're going back to Staples, man. Good luck. Yeah. And I already yeah. like we already knew the Kings were the better team. So yeah. Um I, well, one thing I will say, like, I don't I'm trying to think of if I've ever seen a guy who's almost six four fly the way like this guy flew so effortlessly, like down the wing. Mm. Like he's a big man, dude. Like that's I think that's yeah. one thing that kind of gets lost because he is so smooth out there, is just like that play, the game two. Stanley Cup uh, right. final game winner, like he leans on whoever was defending him pretty well there. So I was just thinking, like, what a nightmare he must he must have been to play against with that speed and size. 
Yeah, I think it's just very unassuming, right? Like as a defender, you try to you try to react almost to the effort that the person in front of you is doing. Like if someone's coming at you hard on the wing and they're you can you can tell when someone's skating hard and trying to get around you and you kind of match their pace. I think it's hard for a guy like him because he's so effortless. His strides are so long that you can't, I think as a defender skating backwards, it's very, very difficult to time your own skating to his before he's past you, you know, then you're yeah. left like stick hard checking. To, hard to yeah. gap up on. Him. Yeah, it really Throughout is. Gap, it yeah. really is because he, he finds another gear, but he never gives any outward signs of that gear kind of coming until it's too late. And then you're hanging on, you know, I, I, I wish I could skate like that. I skate a quarter as fast as he does. And I look like I'm working four times as hard. Right. <laughs> you know, right. but truly uh, a special player. How the hell did Dean Lombardi build that team? And sometimes I think back and I'm like, everyone talks about how amazing the O3 draft was like, we had the, <laughs> arguably the three best players from that draft. Yeah. You can make that argument. Yeah. There's, I don't think, I mean, you, obviously I flower flower is, you know, you could argue Flurry was, but the you, you get Carter, Richards, and Brown on one team. We even had Fanuf for a second. For the record. <laughs> but um, yeah, happy trails, Jeff Carter. Man, first game in Pittsburgh, he was already flying. He yep. made some couple of Flyers defensemen look like pylons. One shift, he drove outside again and just burned this poor. I don't even know who it was. I think it was Sanheim actually. It was a good but again, player. But again. Uh... Snake bit. He had a yeah. good shooting and just, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's going to take one. Can, yeah. It's gonna take, yeah. But but it's funny because the first thing, like, I just, I'm always curious. I'm reading, you know, Penguins fans. They're like, Carter looks amazing. Like, this yeah. guy, I didn't know he still had it. Yeah. Well, amazing things can happen. When you leave yeah. The black right. hole. Ain't that right, Tyler Toffoli? Sure is. Amen. Sure is. Amen. It works out for you, though, because the Pens are your mistress team. So, they are my mistress team. Um, I will be rooting for them. I think we're all going to be rooting for him anyway. But yeah, it's like I've, a, I've heard nothing but like people just being super happy for him. You know, like yeah, how can you not want them to be sex, successful? And I'm happy that he. I truly am happy that he decided to okay the trade because yeah. everything we've read is that Brian Burke and Ron Hextall came to the Kings a month before the trade mm-hmm. and and asked for Carter and Carter said I'm not interested in being moved Kings respected his wishes trade deadline time comes around Brian Burke tries again lo and behold he's he's feeling different yeah that's what a shitty month of hockey will I guess do to you. it's like <laughs> that's what a month of Curtis McDermott will do to you my friend I'm ready I'm ready I'm ready to be traded too what team can I root for at this point <laughs> exactly and then straight up by the way he mentioned they asked him about the rumors about oh I would retire or something like that and he said I'm not retiring I'm playing next season too. So there you go. Rumors, man. Rumors and how things can just come out and are completely wrong. I have followed good as gone. I have follow ain't going anywhere. (laughs) We never once thought about it. We love him. He's a, he's about as important to this team as anyone there's, there is. I mean, just great, just great stuff. Okay. Maybe we can be the ones who write out as first reported by, the bannerman jeff carter has been traded to the pittsburgh Penguins. i should have done it but i should have you should have trade deadline has passed like we said yep now we look forward Vardy. now we look forward um it's not going to be good the rest of the season that's just my 
Call it a hunch. <laughs> fans are a, fans are going back tomorrow. Fans are going back. I looked at tickets. No, I mean, look. <laughs> How much bucks. are they? I don't. I haven't even bought. I mean, I'm in it's San like Diego, bucks so I don't for bought. the hundred bucks for the two hundred section. Nothing crazy. I think that's yeah. about lines that's up. That's about probably what they were before. Probably a few bucks more. Whatever. For a limited seating, I think I don't think it's outrageous or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I think the upper bowl was like fifty something. Which is probably the going rate for any outing these days in Los Angeles. Um, I will not be going myself uh, because I am not interested in going to watch the Kings and the Ducks play hockey. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm not. That's not where my money should be going, or yeah. anyone's for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, rest of the season I don't foresee. Too many great things. Although there are some things to look forward to. Already after the trade deadline, the Kings have four call-ups to make a maximum for something you and I learned about recently. Yeah. After watching hockey for most of our lives, didn't know that after the trade deadline, you only have four call-ups. Lifelong learning. This is what this whole podcast game is about. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. That's what's happening. And one of them has already been burned because they had to call up Kale Clegg. Um, with uh, Matt Roy's COVID sitch and uh, Bjorn Foot's injury. And so one burned on Kale Clegg, mm-hmm. who I will once again say should have never been sent down, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so three more left. Three more left. And from all indications, Quinton Byfield will be getting a look at some point here. Uh, more connected folk than us mm-hmm. have projected that it would be against Anaheim in the two game set, which is later, which is, I think later this week or in a, in uh, a week, I should say yeah. April 26th. Yeah. So that's exciting mm-hmm. to say the least. We're very excited to see what he can do. He's coming back from injury. So he's going to get some games in with the rain and then he'll jump in hopefully or projected to be jumping in with the main roster and why the hell not party at this point, honestly, what else are you going to do with this guy? He's, he's doing real well down in the game player in the last 15 games or something. Sounds promising. Yeah. Why don't you give him a look? I'm glad the Kings are doing it. Well, again, this is not official or anything yeah. like that, but it seems but, like I mean, we, we've talked he's about on this. Track. Like yeah. this is, this has been, it would be if stunning if he didn't get games. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't do this, what are you even doing with this opportunity? You know, um, I'm trying to count how many games are left because they can send him back. Oh yeah, there's a lot of games left. I'm I'm just curious if they're going to keep him for the full nine game look, you know. And I'm trying to see how many are left here because with the postponed games, um, that leaves a lot more at the end. And but, I think I also think they'll probably want to see some other players too. But that's so the situation is you can do. There's three more that they could bring up, right? Yes. And uh, Sammy Fagamo was called up at one point to the taxi squad, I believe, and never played. Um, similarly, Sean Dursey was called up and never played. And again, I don't know how that works with regards to the taxi squad. I, I have to look into this a bit more, but I think basically once those three call-ups that we have left are used, then your taxi squad is what it is for the rest of the season. That's that would that's what makes sense to me. Uh, emergency call-ups and things like that are apparently still allowed, but. I'm trying to see. So if he plays on the 26th, the Kings would still have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games left. 
which would be exactly that nine game window before his first year contract would be burned. Interesting. I, I got to believe that's not a coincidence. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> perhaps. Right? I mean, it might not be. I guess. I, yeah. I hope and it's not. I'll let him play. I mean, why not? Why, why not? would you not? Why would you not want to have the longest look possible at this guy and get a sense of where he fits in next season? It's just such an opportunity, man, to like get a very, very early look at him in the NHL yeah. for more than two games. Yeah. And 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 not just him, right? Like Artie Kaliev's played one game. You can bring him up for another eight. Yeah. You can let Sammy Fagamo have a game or two here or there. The world is your oyster. <laughs> Doing it what you will. From from April 26th on. Give as many as kids a look as you can. That's my bring them all up. Use them on obviously you can't, but <laughs> yeah. you have you have three yeah, more call ups, yeah. use them on on these kids and call them up and let them play. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's if you want something to look forward to for the rest of the season, I think that would be it. And I think that's fair. I guess if you want to speak mathematically, they're not out of the playoff hunt because yes, they are <laughs> mathematically. Sure. They're not fine. Um, in spirit, they are, but it, the fact is that the teams in front of them are, <laughs> successfully not doing well enough to completely eliminate the chances right now Arizona is in is in fourth with a spectacular 2021 and five record <laughs> it's like an NBA record you ever seen the NBA's playoff team oh, it's yeah, like sure. the seventh and eighth team is like 30 and 45 or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. stupid like that right. yeah so Arizona's got 45 points but the Kings now with these cancellations have four games in hand St. Louis has 44 points in 43 games. So the Kings have one game in hand on them. I mean, it's not impossible. Of course it's not impossible. Any any team that and here's the other thing, the team that makes that fourth spot will have a negative goal differential for sure because the best goal differential outside of the top 3 is St. Louis with a minus 11 and then it's the Kings with minus 13. So Typically speaking, a negative goal differential does not get you into the playoffs, but this might be the year where it does. We'll see. It might be, unless St. Louis starts blowing teams out regularly, or the Kings do, yeah. for that matter. You know who's crazy right now is New York, the Rangers. Sorry to jump like into... No. Uh, we, okay, Let's... anything else we should really talk about Kings-related? or Not within the season maybe some off-season stuff but okay so then that, real we, briefly, can, we can keep it in the season yeah yeah but real briefly the rangers are on some sort of ridiculous tear right now they are just scoring at will and it sucks because they still might not make the playoffs because of the current format in the original format they would have gotten one of the wild card spots they have a plus 33 goal differential They've allowed 118 goals, scored 151. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're behind Pittsburgh, the Islanders, Washington, and Boston. Boston is the is the team. It's, it's, yeah, it's that's gonna, hard, man. It's gonna be really hard. Man, they're seven, one, and two. 
they're in their last 10, but then Boston's on fire too. I know, I know. That Every sucks. team in front of them is because they get to play Buffalo and New well, Jersey a bunch. Look, man, they, they they started the season playing like shit. So they did. Whatever. They did. Boston and Boston like started hot and they tailed off into some place. Yep. So, and New York is, you know, I I think one of the popular refrains you hear these days is play the kids, obviously. Right. Right. And New York's doing a little bit of that, but Look at who's, who's leading them. It's guys they got through trades, right? They got Zibanejad. They got Panarin through as a UFA. They got um, uh, they got Ryan Strom in, in, in what now appears to be a ridiculous deal. <laughs> the Rangers have never really relied on homegrown talent. No, they so. haven't. They haven't. But they also have one of the best. Them and the Kings are kind of one-two in terms of pipeline. But yeah. if you look at who is leading them right now, Adam Fox on defense is sure. legitimately – looking like a Norris candidate and Calgary gave him up for I'm sure what they gave him up for at this point. I mean, their team is not completely homegrown. In fact, you would think that Lafreniere would be coming in and, you know, lighting the world on fire. I think we were all very sad that the Kings didn't get him. He's got 14 points in 45 games. <laughs> That's like early two thousands rookie scoring, you know? Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like maybe it's not all about play the kids. Maybe it's about, you know, using the excess kids that you have and bringing in guys who can be Zabanajad and signing a guy like Panarin and then maybe throwing a couple kids around him. You know, yeah. it's a thought, it's a possibility. Of course, I think it's it's the way winning teams are usually built. Yeah. To be quite frank. Um, the trade you mentioned, Vardy, Flames traded him, Adam Fox. Adam Fox. Michael Furlan and Dougie Hamilton to Carolina for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. Mm-hmm. And then Carolina traded him to New York for a second and a third. Oh, my God. So hold on. Hold on a second. That here. hurts. Go back to the original trade. The original trade is, is Fox, Furlan, and Hamilton – to Carolina. Dougie Hamilton and Adam Fox. <laughs> in one trade. Oh, my God. For Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. Then Carolina, having so many defensemen, they don't know what to do. <laughs> flip. <laughs> or not flip. This is like a year later. Yeah, yeah. Trade Fox to the Rangers for a second in 2019 and third in 2020. Man. Calgary. And you know what the best part is? The Rangers were so... And maybe you can time this. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's related, but they they knew they were so loaded that they could just give up Tony D'Angelo for nothing and just drop him. And in fact, got better. So there's that. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Amazing. Since we are talking around the league, any trade deadline trades that caught you off guard or? I, I mean, the, the Taylor Hall thing was probably the biggest. Yeah. Well, there's I mean, two big trades. It's the Mantha trade mm-hmm. and then the, the Taylor Hall trade. Taylor Hall for peanuts. <laughs> uh, so we've been talking about this and we've been, I think you and I talked about how, how do you not get a first for Taylor Hall? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the geniuses that are the Buffalo Sabres, 
gave him a full no move clause on his one year deal. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what happened is that Taylor Hall said the only place I'll go to is Boston, mm-hmm. and that's why they got what they got because. Yep. No one else could make an offer. Every other team, Taylor Hall's like, not going there, not moving, going to Boston. Yeah. That's what happens. That's just the Sabres are a train wreck. And we're like, suddenly doing better now. <laughs> good for them. Congratulations. Hmm. Um, I mean, still not good, but better. Like that kind of management, man. Come on, man. Like, you don't think that this could all go to hell and you don't, and at least, at least have the guy. Give you five teams. Yeah. Screw it. Like give yeah. give him a limited, like just say like give me five teams. Yeah. It was it was a sweetheart deal for him. He's like, I'm only giving you one year. You're gonna give me eight million dollars, and then I get to have complete control over where I'm going. And there, and Buffalo's like, we'll also give you a coach you like, and then not fire him for way longer than we should. I mean, just it's just yeah. so bad. Like you get you luck out in signing this guy and then you play so poorly that you take a guy who won a heart trophy was it three seasons ago now i can't remember how long yeah, ago it was. was yeah 2018 he won a heart trophy three seasons ago and you depreciate his value to the point where you can't even get a first rounder for him it's stunning because you're stupid yeah basically like i i listen to a lot of hockey stuff <clears throat> Several credible people said there were teams that came with first round picks for Taylor mm-hmm. Hall, but the Sabres painted themselves into such a corner that they couldn't even accept those offers. <laughs> there you go. Impressive. Very, very impressive. Oh, man. The Mantha trade now. You like that trade, huh? I like Anthony Mantha. Mm-hmm. Um, I, liking the trade. That's a lot. It's a lot to give up. It's a big haul, man. Good for good for Detroit. Like clearly, he was everything I've read and listened to is like he was kind of a malcontent there a little bit just because of his age and how things were going. There was no light at the end of the tunnel, so he, you know, they didn't like his body language, things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, He's also the type of player that will always kind of leave you wanting more. He's six six, dude. He is. He's six six with soft hands. Like he should be 25, 25, 35 every year, like automatic. Yeah. And he's twenty six years old, and, and I think he young. has a year left on his deal. Yeah, I mean, he's I making correctly. he's making a good amount of money. It's not like he's on some really sweetheart deal, but mm-hmm. I think it's five seven, if I'm not mistaken. Just going up. Uh, I'll look it up as you're as you're speaking but, of him. Like he's he's a very unique. There aren't how many players can you think of like that? They're that big that can score like that, um, have a good shot. Like, he's just a good player. Jeff Carter. <laughs> yeah. And even Jeff Carter's not, not six foot six. And Yeah, man. Samantha's so got four years left on his deal at 5.7. Okay. So, so he's, I mean, so that, explains be... the, that explains the price to get him. Yes. You he's know? not a rental <clears throat> by any stretch of the imagination. This is a hockey trade, quote, unquote. Yeah. It's a hockey trade. So it's a legit trade. Like Verana and Panic, I don't know what his deal is. I don't know if he's but Jacob Verana is a player. He's not just, you know, some yeah. throwing. And then there's some picks moving the other way too. Yeah. But for Washington, man, you gotta look at that and be like, 
they just added another weapon. He's got four goals in five games with them. There you go. <clears throat> Sorry, he's, he's got he's four a, goals. He's got four goals in four games and five points in four games. Okay, he's a good player. Yeah. He's a really good player. And I think he now he's, like, motivated. Like, watch out. What, like, certainly Stevie Y, I know he's doing – he knows what he's doing, and I know he's building something, and I'm sure it's going to be great. But right now, for where the caps are, that's a good trade for them too, man. Look mm-hmm. at that top six now. Very, very stacked. Very, very stacked. Like, I, I wonder what their cap situation is like. I wonder if they have UFAs that might be walking. Well, they, they've got one big UFA coming off the books. Who's that? Ovi. Well, Ovi's he, deal is up at the end of this year. Right, but he, you know. But that's what I mean. That right. that actually works in their favor because he actually takes up most of their cap hit. The rest goes to, it's Backstrom at 9.2 is the next one. And um and then john carlson is eight million so you're insinuating always going to get significantly less on this deal i think he would i don't i mean maybe not man he's still producing like he's 26 years old <laughs> like okay if you're his agent what are you gonna he's he not gonna his, like 700 some odd goal he just passed um i forget who he just passed on that on the all-time goal scorers list but it, it was some Maybe I'll have I'll have to look it up, dude. But it was it was something ridiculous. He's got 24 goals in 42 games at age 35. Yes, he just passed Esposito, and he is now gunning for Marcel Dion. Right. That I, I knew Marcel was on there. I just he wasn't is, sure if he, he passed. One away from tying Dion. Amazing. He is 11 away from passing, or 12 away from passing Brett Hall. And then the it's the, the march to Yarmir Yager. Man. I hope he does it. God damn it. I hope he does it, man. So it was interesting. Gross was talking about how if he keeps scoring at like a 30-goal pace until the age of 41, that he could beat Wayne. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is – listen. <laughs> yeah. I, Obi has 730 goals. It's possible. Yeah. It's – it's very possible, ladies and gentlemen, because advances in technology. He's I don't think he's the type of guy who's busting ass in the summer, but if he really wants to, he's at the very least passing how, right? How he's getting eight hundred. I think is I think eight hundred's happening. That's and amazing. If and if you're getting eight hundred, you're gonna get eight oh two. So can you do you realize that in our lifetime we will have seen two people pass two people score eight oh two? That's pretty crazy. That is insane. I can't wait. I don't I, jinx it. I I I want to like personally wrap him in bubble wrap and keep him safe between games. <laughs> That's right. I I cherish him that much. That's right, man. Um, he's going to pass Marcel Dion, and he will he, have played hundred and fifty less games. Do you want to know who the next closest active player is? Oh my God! Active, active player. How far down do you have to go? Numbers wise, quite a bit. <laughs> I'm about I'll give you a hint. People. He just celebrated something else. Oh, it's Marlowe, huh? It's Marlowe. Now the all-time NHL's games played leader. That's past right. Cordy. Marlowe has 566 goals. Oh my God! <laughs> it's only 200 and. 
64 away. Oh my God, Ovi's played 600 less games. <laughs> Come on. Man. What I need is some sort of a mutant hybrid of oh Patrick Marlowe's longevity and Alex Ovechkin's goal scoring. Seriously, huh? To get to 900 goals. Um. My oh my. Before we move on to Marlowe, man, I think I made it very clear what Wayne Gretzky means to me. Mm-hmm. I want to see this record go down, man. I want to see Ovi do it because... Can you think of anyone more fitting? Not No, because there's no one else who just exemplifies goal scoring as, like, in our lifetime mm-hmm. than Ovi. Like, I didn't see Mike Bossy. Like, his prime was done when I was, like, baby. So, like, yeah, I didn't see it. So, I don't know how, you know, in terms of goal scoring, what he was like. Luke Robitaille was a goal scorer, but not like this. Yeah. Just just a a living weapon, man. Just a a creature created for one purpose, and that is to put a puck in a net. And the best thing is, like, I would be happy for Gretzky because – when he was breaking Gordy Howe's records, like Gordy Howe was following him all over the country, like going to his games, making sure he was there. Is it going to be tonight? He, he wanted to be in attendance mm-hmm. at every time, at, at, at every opportunity uh, Wayne had to pass a record, like Gordy wanted to be there. Uh, and, I, and if I've read a lot of books and I've read even his Gretzky's autobiography and I've seen his interviews, he's always said that if that time comes, he will, gladly and joyfully do the same thing mm-hmm. and i don't think he, and i'm like looking i'm like this guy's not gonna have the opportunity to do to do anything all his records are pretty much unbreakable like what's yeah. he gonna do like he was so excited when danny Heatley scored four goals in the all-star game that one year he was like oh mm-hmm. my god like someone did something <laughs> so i really want this to happen i think it would be a, a beautiful moment for hockey i think he you know i think wayne gretzky would be happy for it to happen he would be there he would actually do the things that Gordie Howe did for him, which to, you know, to a guy like Wayne Gretzky, that shit means a lot to him to it be does. able to do that. So do it, man. I Please, Ovi, take care of your body. Hold back on the vodka. Just <laughs> what if that's what fuels him, bro? Don't, don't ruin... More vodka. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. And I... I wish I had more opportunities to watch him play. You know, being out in Washington, just amazing. I'm just happy I saw him live like a handful of times. That's and I'll take it. And you notice him. One of those guys that you just notice every we, time he's we on We always the ask or we always mention like, who would you pay the price of admission to see one player? Yeah, yeah. And in hockey, it's hard because they're not on the ice. Then. Like, yeah. He's one of those guys, man. Yeah, he's man. Like three or four guys. Where you're like, I'm paying to go see this guy play hockey. Yep. Patty Marlowe, not one of those guys, but <laughs> I was a little this I mentioned on Twitter, I think, that I feel like this is a record that like it it should be Gordy Howe's record. You know what I mean? Like it's mm. it's like it should be Gordy's forever. But seeing everything that happened today, like following on twitter gloves masks tributes like it's cool man it's cool to see this i'm glad it's happening and i'm glad like we're alive you just have to consider that this record could have been broken 
much sooner had it not been for a lockout. Yeah, yeah. And and a half shortened season. I mean, think about the think about the number of games that he has not played through no fault of his own. Yeah. And it's the same with Ovi. How many how many goals? You're talking probably easily, right? Easily. Like, Easily 100 goals through nothing, through nothing that he like. Just he for the record, done. he would be at 830 right now, and yeah, it would be a wrap that he would break Gretzky's record. It would be a wrap. It's unbelievable. Now that being said, Gretzky's missed some games too, but let's come on. But come on, you're talking a full season and a half in his yeah. prime, in his prime, like age 26, 27. You're not even counting the lockout season where he was. It should have been his rookie year. Very true. That's 50 right there. That's 50 Genos right there. Let's take that to the bank. Wild, man. But yes, Patty Marlowe, despite that, getting getting to that point, Joe Thornton might have been there. Joe Thornton's only like 100 games off. Had it not been for yeah. lockouts and stuff, he would he might have been there. If Yager didn't go to the K, he would have broken it. Oh, easily. 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 So He's just a good guy. Dude, I don't know him, but you could tell. He's like just one of these good guys in hockey, like never yeah. – overly flashy like kind of a quiet personality but good for him i'm 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 happy to see like the love he's getting i don't think he's gonna win a stanley cup in his career unfortunately just the way things are going so i'm yep. glad he ha- he gets this this is big this is yeah. not something small anytime yeah. you could be mentioned with gordy Howe, man it's a great accomplishment and and just like you know Ovi and and no one else really being really close to him. The the next active player um, in terms of games played is Thornton, but he's a full hundred games behind him. And right. I I don't think Joe's playing another season and a half. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, but maybe. Yeah, and by the way, Marlowe's still playing. So. Yeah, I mean, it, all it certainly seems like he's going to retire at the end of the season. I I get that kind of. Hmm. There's, there's kind of that like parade of handshakes going around, you know, even before this game. I think uh, I, I just kind of chalked that up to the record. Maybe, but like it seems odd to me that like Kopi and and those guys would do that. Hmm. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I I, I kind of got that sense. Right. Well, it's interesting. That's yeah. for sure, and it's cool. So then- so the next active players, like I said, are Joe Thornton at 1669 and Zdeno Chara at 1598. Wow, man, Chara. You it's weird. He's been around, he has been around for a long time. But mm-hmm. Once you hear that number, man, yeah. that is a lot. And then there's no one else on the active player list in the top 25. The 25th person is is uh Brindamore at uh, 1484. That's a ton of games, man. Yeah. That is so many games to play. 1700 games good lord yeah i can't even think about watching 1700 games it would be difficult it would be we probably have <laughs> yeah i probably watched 1700 games in my life hmm. yeah you're gonna give me special gloves with writing on it <laughs> misspelled or poorly grammared writing poorly grammar, was it a 1768 nhl games yeah <laughs> Awesome. Someone, someone's going to offer to uh, either get rid of that S or the TH. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> okay. I think we covered like a lot of stuff. We did. We wanted to cover. Um, we did talk about the offseason a little bit. Or we have been talking about the offseason a little bit. 
but I think now I'm really like really getting into writings on the wall. Team's not going to make the playoffs. They're in a funk. Let's look at the offseason. Let's see what's going on. Kings are going to have a ton of cap space, first and foremost. Interesting what they do with it. Is it going to be a Hanzu Smodine Nagy? <laughs> Is it going to be that kind of summer for Rob Blake where he just gets pieces, veteran pieces to build something around and then gets rid of them and then just brings in the real players that are going to do the winning? I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. But one thing, Vardy, Darren Drager, who is some believe is a reputable source, recently brought up that the Kings are still, in fact, interested in Jack Eichel. Mm -hmm. And that should that conversation truly happen where the Sabres shop him, that the Kings and the Rangers would likely be the top suitors for young Jack. On all the Kings men, I mentioned that I would I don't think this team needs Jack Eichel right now. I stand by that. Mm-hmm. But when Darren Drager comes out and says something like this, I'm I would have to entertain it a little differently. Mm-hmm. I would have to take it seriously. So I do wonder if it became a reality, what would that trade look like? So I, I I'm bringing this question to the table, so to speak. What is that trade? What does it look like? If you're you're envisioning it. Yeah, that's... I guess, first of all, I would say that I agree with you that I don't think a a Jack Eichel solves our problems. But at the same time, I think if you have a Jack Eichel on the team and you surround him with some players, you you can definitely accelerate the process a little bit. I think... I think I think of Eichel as a very similar situation, perhaps to Jeff Carter and Mike Richards, where maybe the team that he's on leads to some of the behavioral or whatever issues. But if you can put him in the right room, then things can change a little bit. Um, I want to look at his cap number real quick because I think he's what has he got? Like eight it's years massive. left. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's got a lot of years left. Not that cap space is an issue for the Kings, but it will become one. Well, you get um, him, like, that pretty much does it for your cap space. Yeah. For significant ads, anyway. Yeah, he's got $10 million. Good Lord. <sighs> Just yeah. saying that hurts. So he's got $10 million, And it is interesting, because the way it's structured is he's got one, two, he's got one, two, three, four, five years left at $10 million. So it's not actually not that much left. And the cap hit is $10 million. But the interesting part is that the last four years of it has a has a full no move clause. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to move him, the urgency is is yeah within it. by by next season because after that it becomes full sure. no move. So I think that's also maybe pushing a little bit of this discussion. Um, I think that any team that is getting Jack Eichel would have to be comfortable at the very least with giving up a high level prospect and a first round and a first round pick to start. Right. Um, And I think that's probably going to be a prospect that's a little closer to being NHL ready, maybe even played some games, that kind of thing. Um, And then, you know, that's, that's kind of the focal point, I think. So I think if you're looking at that from the Kings perspective, 
I, I, I think the guys that are off limits are in my mind, Byfield and Kaliev. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that any other prospect, maybe I've been hearing a lot of good things about Brock Faber. So maybe I'll throw him in there too, but I don't think any other prospect is off limits. And I think that includes Gabe Velarde, man. I really do. I, I think he's supremely talented, but the, the recent regression mm-hmm. is worrisome. And I think that if they're in a position where Buffalo says, well, what do you think about Velarde? And then you include Velarde in a first as part of your trade for Eichel in some capacity, knowing that Byfield is a season away at most, then you're talking about having Kopitar, Eichel, Byfield. And all of a sudden, it doesn't sound that bad, does it? <laughs> no. I could, we could live with that. So I would say that that's, that's kind of the jump off. And it might be it might be that in a second tier prospect. It might be that in some roster player of some sort, in addition to Velarde. I don't know. Um, but I think either Velarde or Turcotte are kind of your, your starting points. If, if you're really going to play at that table. Yeah. I've been trying to rack my brain to like think of a, some kind of comparable. So, like, if a player like that... You mean, like, could, a prior trade or... Yeah, like, a prior trade. Something where I could look at and be like, okay, this might be it. I don't know if this is the one, but Eric Carlson from San Jose... Hmm, that's a good one. ...to Ottawa. It was Carlson and Francis Perron. Obviously, nobody. Um, Ottawa acquired Josh Norris, Chris Tierney, Rudolph Balsers... Mm-hmm. Dylan DeMello, a 2019 second, a 2019 or 2020 conditional first, a 2021 conditional first or second, and a 2022 conditional first. Wow. That's a haul, man. So A Taylor Hall? No, Taylor Hall's trades have been much less. (laughs) Have had much less moving parts than that. Then again, what trade hasn't? I mean... So you're looking at I don't want to read off the conditions because they're a lot, but that's a lot. That's four players and four picks. Yeah. But none of those players are true blue chip prospects. And I, I and I think, you know, I think historically that's kind of what happens, right? Like even if you think back to the Gretzky trade. It's it's a bunch of guys, but it's never yeah, it's, it's never really quantity. right, right. It's never really equivalent, if no, you will. The old adage is whoever got the best player won the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't matter how, if you want a staple, you know, Jimmy Carson, Martin Jelena to fifteen million dollars. It doesn't matter. You got you got the best player in the trade. So yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overvaluing it. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's I don't know. It's a kill Thomas in a first as the as the as the jump off or like I don't know. 
Because I mean, the guys that I'm thinking about are, you know, the Turcotts, the Kupari, stuff like that. Those are those are first round picks. So I'm talking about two firsts right off the bat. And I think looking, if you want to use the Carlson trade as a as a comparable, um, I think Josh Norris was a first. I'll have to look that up. But I don't think any of those other guys were. It was just a bunch of young guys who could fill in. Right. You know, Josh Norris was number 19 overall. Yeah, so there you go. Tierney went in the second round. Balzers went in the fifth round. And Dylan DeMello went in the sixth round. Okay, so essentially... One first-rounder and... Two, because there's a 2020 unprotected first-rounder. I guess what I mean is one one guy who was picked. Yes, yes. Okay, so again, the the focal point of that trade ends up being a first-round prospect and a first-round pick. Yes. And then a smattering of things around it yes. to help. So, I mean, maybe maybe that is the start off. I don't know. But I think the interesting thing is from the King's standpoint is you're not, you're not emptying the cupboard, even with that kind of trade. I mean, you can send them, not that I'm saying this is a good trade, but I'm saying you could theoretically send them Alex Turcotte, Akil Thomas in the first. And I think you're still totally fine like yeah. what do you what are you what are you losing in that you know still stacked still have yeah. your best prospects are yeah you still have kupari you still have calia you still have byfield you still have fagamo you still have Velardi. yeah i mean it's it's the kind of a numbers game right like all these guys can't possibly play for the kings you're just hoping that you don't give up the guy who ends up being a star but if you're giving it up at least you're getting a guy like eichel who who can be a star producer now he's having a bad season pretty much everyone on buffalo is and maybe that diminishes the value a little bit i don't know i don't know it's interesting but i think that they're in a good position going into this summer and it looks like they're probably going to get another top 10 pick and the draft is a bit wide open but it certainly seems like it's it's uh defense leaning in the in the top 10 um, I don't think we're going to be, unless we win the lottery, I don't think we're going to be a top three pick. So I don't think we're going to get uh, Owen Power or um, I forget the Hughes brother's name. There. Luke Hughes. Luke Hughes. They're all, I don't know, man. These rankings are all, are all over. They're the kind place, of all over the place, on the for list sure. Because no one's seen these kids play. I mean, I yeah. know the NCAA kids they've seen play, but no one's seen the CHL kids play. Mm-hmm. So you're just, you're taking just random shots. Um. Yeah, at drafting them, so it, it's going to be weird. I think it's going to be all over the place. It's like I wouldn't trust any ranking, quite frankly. But it, no, and and you get that sense when you read them. It's like some guys will be number one on one ranking and they'll be number fifteen on another. Yeah, you know, I've seen I've seen Luke the variability is crazy. As high as five and as low as twenty five. Yeah, legit twenty five. It's weird, man. It's weird, but I do agree with you that they'll probably go for a defenseman. I think um, if there's any draft to take to draft for need, this is it. Yeah. There is yeah. no best player available. Who's the best player available? Yeah. It's not clear. It's not going to be clear. It, it seems to be Owen Power, but again, beyond that, it's open Well, season. he's the best defenseman available. It seems to be that, like, I see his name more often than others. But Yeah, I, but I, I mean, grant there, are, you. there is, like, the kid from Michigan – not Michigan. He's from Michigan, isn't he? He's from Michigan. But there's, there's another, another kid there, kid too. Forward that's like almost, I see him as number one almost on every list. Yeah. I forget uh, 
Benier, something like that. Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah, I'm looking at Bob McKenzie's list right now. Luke Hughes ranked at 10. There you go. It's crazy, man. There you go. Not Quinn. Uh, That's for sure. Yeah. Kent Johnson is the other the other Michigan kid. Uh, actually, that's the third Michigan kid. Beniers. There you go, yeah. Matthew Beniers. Yeah. There's a lot, man. There's a lot going around there. Um, I've seen Simon Edvinson's name. Yeah. A uh, Swedish blue liner. Brand Brand Clark. Clark. Atu Rati mm. has been around and kind of gone up and down. The, so, I mean, ultimately, I think it's just going to come down to to who they think is the best of what's there. But I agree with you that there's no consensus, you know, this is what the order of the top 10 is going to look like, which I like. I like drafts like that. I enjoy watching drafts like that because there's more variability. Yeah. Like when's the next time that's going to happen? Yeah. No one knows. No one knows. But I guess, I guess what I'm saying is they shouldn't feel that not that I, I just get the sense that they're ready to wheel and deal quite a bit. I don't think they're just going to like stand pat anymore because they, they there's no room to stand pat. They're, they're filled up with prospects. I think they realize that, you know, they need, they need a good defenseman who can be a solid second pairing guy. And I think they need a good forward and maybe Eichel's that guy, man. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. At, at least it's going to be an interesting summer. Mm-hmm. It always usually is. We love the off season, so yeah. I think that's it, Vardy. It's episode sixty nine. Nice um, score. There's no king sixty nine. Not really a one. Shocking. It's got to be the dog glat episode from the game. <laughs> and what else is there? Famous number sixty nine. I don't know. Let's see here. Uh... The NHL.com list of who wore it best. And they seem to think that it was. Hold on. Getting there. Andrew Desjardins. Good for you, buddy. Yikes. I don't know. Who do we give this one to? Doug Glatt. (laughs) Sure. Who else? (laughs) The Doug Glatt episode. A fictional character has made it. Oh man! Next, All right. In the seventies is going to be fun because there's it. a there's a plethora of Kings players who have made numbers in the seventies worthwhile. So That's I'm right. Very excited. That's right. And you're going to name every single one of them. <laughs> Great. I'll tell you who who episode seventy seven is dedicated to. Paul Coffey. <laughs> Damn it. Rob Cowie. <laughs> Did I just name two already? <laughs> uh, maybe. maybe. Rod Buskis. <laughs> Dude, I want to kill that episode. I just named oh, my three. God. Oh, my God. How many are there? Six players. Wow, 77 is popular. All right. Well, shall we? We shall. Thanks for listening, guys. This was a long one. Thanks for bearing with us. See you next time. You've been listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.